something like, let all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens come to me and I will give you rest. My name is Anna Lisa Gross and I am weary and surrounded by weary people, carrying grief, guilt, anxiety, loneliness, and pain. Maybe you're finding the same in your community. Today's episode is an offering of care from Cornelius Rapp. Though Cornelius is currently serving through Brethren Volunteer Service, he doesn't speak as a church person. And I wonder, are you finding more support and healing through church or outside it these days? Let's explore that more after Cornelius's gift. Hey everybody, my name is Cornelius and I'm truly honored to be offered this opportunity and space by this podcast to be able to talk about and advocate for a topic that affects and probably will affect many of us. Have you ever experienced the need to get something, maybe something that has been pressuring you or agitating you for a long time, cleaned out of your body or mind? I'm sure every one of us has undergone that kind of emotion at some point in our lives. Some academic literature would suggest you try catharsis, which Oxford languages would define as the process of releasing and thereby providing relief from strong or repressed emotions. Though it seems like an exceptionally fancy word, it pretty much describes what you would need at that point. However, the term itself is rather broad and could obviously mean completely different things for each of one of us, and there are multiple ways for individuals to experience stress relief since emotions and needs are highly subjective. One person might experience catharsis by talking to their friends and family about things they are currently dealing with, while others process burden and experience emotional relief by exercising, making music, or spending some time in nature. Still, given the multi-layered and numerous crises our societies and planet Earth are currently facing, one could definitely argue that the capacity for performing such a stress and burden relieving act is drastically shortened for more vulnerable groups of people of which I would consider my generation to be a part of. Over the course of this episode, I want to go over what that means exactly. I will talk about the connection between mental health, disharmony, and peace building while also digging into some of the concerning facts regarding the mental struggles my generation is currently facing. Additionally, additionally, I will elaborate what catharsis means in this context and how activism may be one of the most compelling and fulfilling ways for my generation to experience catharsis. With that being said, I want to give a short disclaimer and trigger warning. I will be discussing topics of mental illnesses and struggles, including suicide, which is definitely a sensitive topic. If you're not comfortable with that, I would encourage you not to proceed with listening to this episode and maybe just switch to a different Duncan Punks episode. But before I get into the actual subject, I want to thank the Duncan Punks podcast again for letting me use their platform to share my message and welcome you all to my episode. As I mentioned at the beginning, my name is Cornelius and I'm currently serving one year as a volunteer with Brethren Volunteer Service at the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy at the local church of the Brethren in DC. Some of you might already be wondering where I'm from since hiding my accent still remains a big challenge for me, but I feel like now is a good time to work on it after 10 years of English classes at school. I graduated from school in Germany about six months ago and then decided to participate in a volunteer program abroad to kind of step up my current living situation and get to know a completely different place. Another reason for me to be here after graduating from school is to gain a first-hand perspective on how people in the largest economy of the world live and think in their private spaces and understand what concerns them politically. Since my home country is about 4,000 miles away from here, the way young people live their personal lives and interact with each other can differ a lot from what my generation generally is like. That's of course because our educational systems, culture and socialization and the way parts of our societies are shaped in general can differ a lot. That's of course because our educational systems, culture and socialization and the way parts of our societies are shaped can be very different. 
However, American influence on German society, especially on my generation, is prevalent in everyday life in Germany. Just thinking about social media, American slang words, music, fast food, etc. That's why I feel like our young generations are so deeply connected but yet so different. This overall reflects the strongest sense of individualism and the strife for idealism that tie my generation or Gen Z together. By definition, everyone who was born between 1997 and 2012 technically belongs to Generation Z, which means that individuals of my generation are at very different life stages. Some are just entering middle school, where others are already established in the workforce. Defining groups of ages and tying them together or labeling them as a generation always remains to be quite a challenge, and determining borders between generations can also be very difficult or may seem arbitrary. Yet, for a variety of reasons, some of which I've already mentioned, we, Generation Z, and the younger generations that follow are more uniquely connected than any other generation before. No other generation has been so internationalized and jumped over national borders, lived and experienced diversity on so many levels like us. Part of the reasons for that is obviously our globalized and technologized world, along with our disproportionate presence on social media and the access to unlimited information on the internet, or rather even having access to such a thing compared to previous generations. Of course, that's nothing new, but I just want to highlight the importance of that because the way my generation grew up really shapes the way we live and interact as a generation. Some media or literature would sometimes use the terms digital natives to describe the younger generations, also including Gen Z. Understanding how young people think and what affects them is significant if you want to analyze what it's like to deal with accumulating and burdening challenges like climate change, isolation during COVID, economic crises, war, and so much more. These challenges or burdens will undoubtedly affect us all. However, today I want to talk about my and upcoming generations primarily, because we are the ones who will still have to deal with most of that in the future, and I would argue that younger generations are also one of the most vulnerable generally. Nevertheless, we can often get neglected or moved to the background in public conversations and policy making, which is a fatal thing to do, since we are the ones who will contribute to and shape the future of this planet as well as being affected by it the most. Gen Z will also presumably make up over a quarter of the Asia-Pacific population by 2025. That's why it's even more crucial to talk and care about what keeps us young people on this planet up at night, which traumas and burden we might suffer from collectively, and what exactly ties us together in a more negative sense. Some of the actual numbers and facts are actually quite concerning. An astonishing 91% of Gen Z young adults say they've had one or more symptoms of stress, including feeling sad or depressed, having a lack of interest in activities, having a lack of energy and having a lack of motivation. People aged 18 to 24 also hold the largest share of diagnosed anxiety disorders or depression compared to every other age group overall according to the new US Census Bureau Household Pulse Survey. When digging deeper into some more specific data on mental health during COVID, the direction in which this is going quickly becomes clear. According to a 2022 study published by Harmony Healthcare with more than a thousand participants, 68%, almost three in four Gen Zers, said the pandemic has negatively impacted their mental health. In alignment with that, over 42% of Gen Z had been diagnosed with a mental condition in 2022, from which an anxiety disorder, 90%, and depression, 78%, were by far the most diagnosed. Additionally, it's important to mention that of those, more than one out of four, 62%, were diagnosed during the pandemic from March 2022 or later. Thus, it's safe to say that the pandemic, or specifically the time during the lockdown, social distancing, etc., qualifies as a generational and collective trauma. Quick side note on my end, the first study I referenced was published in 2022, which means that some of the data and trends might have changed a little bit ever since. But the data I'm referencing is one of the latest and broadest because representative studies are always pretty time intense and take a lot of effort. Moreover, it's still evident that the COVID-19 pandemic, along with lockdowns, definitely accelerated or even sparked this rising trend in which Gen Z's mental health is gradually worsening, stacked with components of anxiety and depression, with correlates with big holes left in people's childhoods. 
mostly due to isolation, a destabilized economy, or the loss of a loved one followed by uncertainty and hopelessness. Those trends coincide with data from an in-depth survey from 2022 conducted by the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which among other things examined the past trends regarding high schoolers' mental health from 2011 and 2021 and found that there was an increase in Gen Zers that felt persistently bad or stressed out. Specifically, for the same survey during the 2011 school year when millennials were in high school, 28% of the respondents reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless, as opposed to the present-day Gen Zers at 42%, which means an increase by 14% among present young people compared to young people roughly 10 years ago that feel that kind of negative emotions. With 57%, female high schoolers are almost twice as likely to report mental health problems as their male counterparts with 28%. Additionally, looking at race, multiracial, Hispanic, African Indians, and Alaska Native Gen Zers are also the most affected, with numbers in the 40% range. Regarding sexuality, 69% of the members of the LGBTQ community are disproportionately struggling with mental health issues, as opposed to heterosexuals with 35%, therefore making minoritized groups the most affected by persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. The youth is also suffering a suicide crisis. Young suicides have a shocking statistic, with it being the second leading cause of death. 24% of students have experienced suicidal ideation in the last 12 months, and 10-17% to of young people have made a suicide attempt, meaning that suicide will actually surpass homicide as the leading cause of deaths among young people. This is more than concerning. And certainly, since distress is among the crucial factors for those alarming numbers, it's even more evident how much stress and burden the present young generation has to undergo, not only statistically, but also in reality since there are always really humans and individual fates behind all those facts and numbers. However, I first need to mention that there is certainly little to no generation that does not face any kind of crises, trauma, or collective burden thinking about world wars, health, social and economic crises, as well as poverty. So I don't want to say that our mental status young generation is unprecedented, which would neglect or even relativize previous devastating life-threatening challenges, it's just necessary perhaps to draw attention to the urgency and complexity of our crisis at the moment. For example, only by looking at simple images like the Doomsday Clock, which currently is at 90 seconds before midnight, you get a general sense of where we as a species are currently. Namely, we are actually closer to destroying our planet, including our human species, than ever before, or rather since the implementation of the Doomsday Clock in the late 1940s. That's a devastating testimonial. Short context for people who are not familiar, the Doomsday Clock, created by Bolletin the Atomic Scientist in 1947, is a very simple but perspicuous imagery that's supposed to show how close humanity is to destroying itself, considering aspects of nuclear threats, climate change, disruptive technology, and biological threats. And midnight represents a global human-made catastrophe. Therefore, or what is technically, following the opinion of the atomic scientists, are one of the closest to erasing itself, and we all need to act. It's supposed to be a duty for young generations, and especially policymakers who shape the future of this planet, to take action for a brighter future. It's crucial to have functional and equitable resiliency mechanisms in solar society to foster activism and political participation so people don't fall into the process of resigning or even giving up. Mental health problems, or the human psyche in general, are heavily influenced by a person's personal environment which is based on the way the broader society is shaped. That's why people who are legally in charge of modifying and influencing our society, namely policymakers, possess the responsibility to prioritize efforts to ensure resiliency for young generations that contribute to harmony and peace in our society. As it's crucial for them to make a change, our congregations face the same responsibility, however of course with a slightly different approach. To be more specific, I want to emphasize social engagement with the concept of a volunteer service as one pivotal example to foster resiliency as I'm also speaking as a volunteer of the Brethren. Volunteer service is a tangible manifestation of peace, convictions and action. 
it embodies the idea that true peace isn't just the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice, compassion, and a commitment to making the world a better place. When individuals engage in volunteer service, they are actively working to address the root causes of societal issues, whether it's poverty, inequality, or environmental concerns. In doing so, they contribute to the creation of a more peaceful and just society. And to connect with my initial reference to catharsis and peacemaking, activism can very well be a cathartic event for many of us, and contribute to a more just and participatory society. It's a unique opportunity to experience emotional release and healing, which occurs when individuals engage in activities that align with their deeply held values and beliefs. Just a little side note again, Gen Zers are in fact the most likely to volunteer of any other age group. 46% say they had volunteered for a charity in their lifetime, while 24% specified they were currently engaging in volunteer work, according to a recent survey. Apparently, aligning their values and actions is particularly relevant for my generation, since it provides a sense of purpose and meaning in a world that can oftentimes feel chaotic and overwhelming. This view of how to contribute to a just society is also deeply rooted in the brethren's understanding of peacemaking, as they stated in their 1979 statement on peace, Peace is not only the opposite of war, it is the presence of justice in a world where pervasive and systemic injustice prohibits peace. This approach could also be covered by the term positive peace, which in opposition to negative peace, not only defines peace as the absence of war, but also emphasizes the importance of a more lasting peace that is built on sustainable investments in economic and social development by considering aspects of social justice, well-being, and relationships between people inside a society. And one conclusion for the Church of the Brethren to contribute to this kind of peace and justice was to provide opportunities for peace ministries locally and globally through Brethren Volunteer Service for Youth and Adults. Therefore, peacemaking is not only about giving and positive peace inside society, it's also about catharsis, the process of feeling and fighting peace within oneself. This is currently the process I'm in with my volunteer service at the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy to be a small part of the change. And to experience what interdependence between inner and outer peace actually means is such a beautiful and forming opportunity that many organizations and congregations, including the Church of the Brethren, have understood and embraced by offering volunteer services. Coming to an end here, the reasons why I wanted to advocate for the topics I dealt with in this episode was that I feel like it's often neglected how we as humans feel and what kinds of emotions we go through due to our busy everyday lives. But moving that to the background is neglecting that what troubles us on the inside reflects on our actions on the outside and vice versa. Highlighting and acknowledging the importance of what affects people on the inside is more than crucial for a functional and healthy society. But now, I want to thank you all so much for listening. I would encourage you if you want to gain a more in-depth sense of my work to visit Brethren slash Peacebuilding and our Office of Peacebuilding and Policy Facebook page. Also, platforms like this podcast are unique ways to advocate and expand the outreach for important matters and issues like the ones I talked about. So I want to thank the Danke Punks podcast again for having me and wish you all a wonderful and peaceful rest of your day. hospitals, old folks' homes, orphanages, community for all. That has been the fruit of our faith in many places and times. But when we focus on conflict and scarcity, our reputation is hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and irrelevancy. In seminary, we learned this concept of the prophetic and the pastoral that these are two distinct ways to minister, to preach. Prophetic is a call to justice, it's challenging. Pastoral is all comfort and care. 
But what Jesus knew is that we are best cared for when we have purpose beyond ourselves. The prophetic is pastoral. You can find this wisdom from the pleasure activist Adrienne Marie Brown. Read anything by her and check out her podcasts. You might have been part of a campus walkout or at least heard of one speaking out against Israeli military violence. Dissenters is doing a lot of this organizing. Dissenters is a newish national movement to reclaim our resources from the war industry, reinvest in life-giving institutions, and repair collaborative relationships with the earth and people around the world. Go to wearedissenters.org and read their principles, including We are working to end war and militarism. We practice joy and we appreciate each other every day. We believe everyone has a role to play. We grow our power by talking to new people. And there are more. Dissenters blends the pastoral and prophetic from a secular pluralistic perspective. We are dissenters.org. I want to leave you with a poem by Hannah Redekop, who works with community peacemaker teams, formerly called Christian peacemaker teams. When I was a kid, I confused Jesus with the doctor. Both, I was told, were healers. I didn't know which one to call to get better. When I was in high school, my Jesus was a judge, weighing my actions, keeping the score, both held the gavel to keep me from damnation. Then Jesus became justice itself. Not a life or death sentence, but a lifestyle, a companion, an advocate. But as Dr. West says, justice is what love looks like in public. It wasn't until Jesus became love to me that I began to understand the meaning of Jesus. Historical Jesus was a Palestinian Jewish man who today hangs precariously between two identities that were never meant to be divided. But you see, love opens doors, it doesn't close them. Love is not exclusionist, it only knows how to grow. When we enact love and justice for Palestinians, this does not mean there is less love for Israelis. Just like when we enact love and justice for our queer and trans siblings, this does not mean there is less love for straight people. Just like when we enact love and justice for black and racialized folks, this does not mean there is less love for white communities. It means that love, justice, and freedom are inclusive. Our struggles are parallel. Our liberation is interdependent. The beautiful thing about love is that it will free us all. Jesus tells a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a farmer took and planted in a field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, 
when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. We Dunkerpunks consider ourselves to be a movement within the mustard seed revolution. What does that mean? Read more at dunkerpunks.com. Is this ministry speaking to you? Offer your gifts to the movement. Send your comments or favorite show quotes to dpp at arlingtoncob.org. That's Dunker Punk's podcast, dpp at arlingtoncob.org. The Arlington Church of the Brethren is one of our several congregational sponsors, and your congregation could be one too. We invite you to engage with our social media. We are at Dunker Punk's Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. When you're there, you can share and like and comment on posts to support the show. You can tag a friend to invite them to check out a favorite episode. If you are inspired by a certain episode or your own faith journey, and you want to create some art or do some writing, we would love to help share your gifts with the world. Through our socials and our website, arlingtoncob.org dpp, you can share episode ideas, people to interview, themes to explore, and even sign up to join the thinking team. You can also donate. And why would you do that? Because each member of every episode team is compensated for their time. Become a Dunker Punks podcast partner. If you value hearing from young adult voices, $150 pays the honorarium for a full show for the whole team and $50 for an audio contributor. But you know what? Even just $5 adds up when put together with other donations. It's like the mustard seed all over again. Mm -hmm.